The people want MLB draft grades, and we're not going to do it. But I'll tell you in each division of the American League who won and who lost in their draft. Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked On MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, freelance baseball writer and podcaster. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. We're probably part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. And reminder, this is your show. If you have questions for us, that's what the Monday Mailbag is for. Uh, plenty of ways to reach out to us. Best ways, probably the subtext. Links in the episode description, links in the show notes. So everybody wants draft grades. And Let's be honest. I talked about this the other day. Draft grades are not not really helpful, right? Like, we don't know how these players are going to develop. All we can do is look at the value that you got at the pick versus how good we thought the players were ahead of time. So a grade right now is useless, but we can look at the team needs, the team's development history, the players that they chose, how much risk is there, how much ceiling to floor. And we can tell you who did a good job or a bad job, which is kind of the same thing now that you mentioned it, but I just don't want to be on the record as having like, yeah, this was an F or this was a C or whatever. So uh, let's go division by division in the American League. And I'm going to tell you who had a really good draft and who didn't have a great draft and why. So starting in the American League East, because as much as everybody complains that the West is never first in these things, when you put the American League East first in the thumbnail, people click on it. Like, what's that's kind of how this works here. Uh, from a hotel room in, at Disney World, Toronto, to me, was the winner in the American League East. And I know that's funny because I've talked the last two days now about how much I like Tampa's draft. But uh, for me, what Toronto did, it's it's a combination of some of the guys they got where they got them and then some of the possible outcomes for these guys. Uh Shortstop Arjun Namala uh, going in the first round, one of the first or one of the youngest players in the draft. And honestly, I think of all the prep shortstops that were drafted, he probably has the highest overall ceiling in the entire draft. It's something where probably going to stay at shortstop. Uh, and if it's something where physically he just grows too much and can't stay there, he's going to kick up the third base. But either way, uh, going to be a very good defender. Looks like like he's already getting really good exit velocities, really good contact, and it looks like he's going to end up with plus power. So obviously there's some risk there. It's a prepster. But uh, if this develops, he is the type of shortstop that is a rookie of the year candidate and goes on to uh, to be a contender, like, like be an all-star, uh, contend for, if everything breaks right, contend for... Uh, gold gloves and silver sluggers and all that kind of stuff. I mean, he has a very, very high ceiling. Question is, can you get him there? But he looks like a safer bet than some of the other shortstops taken in the first round out of high school. Uh, Sleeper pick here that I really kind of liked a little bit later, the sixth round, Jace Bohoffren out of Arkansas. Uh, Something where I think he's a center fielder, probably can give you 20 home runs or so. I think center field, he's he's above average. He's not necessarily your best center fielder, but I think he's above average defensively and, again, can give you a good 20 home runs. The thing you're going to have, and I just noticed this from watching him in college, it feels, I don't have the data on this, it feels like a lot of his damage did it came against fastballs. So you're going to have to work on, He's he feels like the kind of guy that when he starts off in professional baseball, 
he's probably going to struggle at first because he's seeing seeing both better quality off-speed pitches and more off-speed pitches than he saw in the SEC. So I like the pick, especially in the sixth round where you've got him. Again, I feel like you're going to need a little bit of work there just to make it work out. Speaking of later rounds there, the fifth round, Connor O'Halloran, the lefty out of Michigan. I really like this pitch as well. The, the fastball, good velocity for a lefty, sits 93-94. The slider has a nice two-plane break. It's easily at least above average. Uh, I do think if you can make the velocity a little better, and then honestly, I'd love for him to have a changeup just to kind of have something else as a third pitch that broke the other direction. He's he's flirted with the change. He's flirted with the curveball. But if you can develop a changeup, and then like so you have fastball, two-plane slider, changeup from a lefty, give him another tick or two. If he can sit 95 with that trio, I think you've got a mid-rotation guy. And you got him in the fifth round. Uh, I think as he is now, with primarily those two pitches and kind of dabbling around with some other stuff, uh, the fact that he has good command and things like that, I think he's probably a back-end guy. Which, fifth round, okay, that's fine. You'll take that from a fifth rounder. So I like that choice. And then a uh, couple interesting guys, Braden Berry in the eighth round out of West Virginia, uh, had like showed flashed uh, decent power to go along with speed. He had, I think he had 19 or 20 doubles. Uh, he stole 24, 25 bags, had some issues with swing and miss. A lot of that was the uh, the two-strike approach, kind of expanded the zone, things like that. But like that was an eighth rounder. I like the potential for a Braden Berry there for Toronto. So I think they, they did a really good job with their draft. A couple other guys in there. Uh, Nick Goodwin from Kansas State wasn't a huge fan of that pick. I just feel like for some reason he doesn't have a, he didn't have a, a ton of power. I think that might be a mechanical tweak, though. But either way, there's that. Um, he, they, they took a, a right, a prep righty in the fourth round, Landon Maruldis fastball changeup. Uh, it's always weird to see a prep store with a changeup because like a lot of high school hitters, that's just somebody else's fastball, but it's the movement more so than the, um, more so than the velocity or anything on it. Uh, Jerron Watts Brown, uh, righty third round. I liked him a lot going into day two. Somebody that looked really good at Long Beach State, struggled a little bit at Oklahoma State, but I still think is a really good quality uh, pitcher. Needs some more velocity, but either way, a couple options there. Guys that don't have, I think, as high of ceilings, but can be developed and can kind of get there. Uh, Draft I didn't necessarily like, and this is going to be the controversial thing here. I didn't love the Yankees draft, if you're looking at the AL East drafts. Uh, It's something where uh, the first pick, George Lombard Jr., prep shortstop, his father was an outfielder, played for the Braves. Uh, something where I think he's going to have good power. He's going to have good speed, be able to stick it short for the most part. But the issues he's going to have is I don't feel like he's going to move through the system really quickly. Looking at the perfect game data, whenever he faced somebody that had pretty good velocity, he really seemed to struggle. And so when he gets into professional baseball and faces higher quality fastballs, he's going to struggle. And normally I wouldn't be concerned about that, but he's a New York Yankee. And a lot of the expectations from Yankees fans uh, are very high. They expect guys to move rather quickly, especially when the last prep uh, shortstop you took in the first round was Anthony Volpe, who went through the system incredibly fast. You took him in 2019 and in 2023, he was already a starter at the major, uh, you know, he was already your starting shortstop at the major league level. Um, So Interesting there, something you that uh, not necessarily sold on that 
Uh, Rock Riggio, he's kind of struggled to acclimate to the bigs. Uh, he was the the fourth rounder, second baseman out of Oklahoma State. Really good uh, year. Pulls a lot of stuff, right? Not a lot of that stuff is is uh, is super supernatural. And then Cade Smith. Uh, I do like Cade Smith. Fastball, slider, changeup. He's a righty, but for some reason, despite the changeup being good, lefties just crush him. Bad platoon splits. You've got to figure that out. But from a sixth rounder, a guy that walked a lot of guys at Mississippi State, like 14 15%, but if you can figure out why he showed against lefties, you're set. Or you can just make him a reliever, and there you go, you got that already. I do like Kyle Carr, uh, fastball slider guy out of the third round. University of San Diego this year, super dominant. Uh, I love a lefty with a good sweeper. Question is, what is your third What is your third pitch going to be? He's a good athlete. I expect him to pick up something, but still just a little bit of a question there. In just a minute, we're going to get to the AL Central, where I was really surprised which team uh, I thought had the best draft when I sat down and looked at them. We'll do that next right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. But before we do that, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Sleeper. If you were watching the Home Run Derby and were thinking, if only I could put money on this, I've got the app for you. You can win up to 100 times your money on Daily Fantasy Baseball. Sleeper is offering a 100 times payout for up to eight pick contests. You choose eight players that you like. You pick more or less on whatever your favorite baseball stat is. Maybe it's a home run. Maybe it's strikeouts. Maybe it's hits. Whatever it might be, you get your picks right and you can win big. What's fantastic is there's group chat functionality in Sleeper, and so it, you don't have to take screenshots and then throw them into the group text. You and your friends who are all on Sleeper, you can send picks back and forth. If your buddy takes one side, you can take the other, and you can show him, hey, I'm betting against you. Go watch the game together with them, but you can send it to your friends, show them show them your hits. They can show you where you, uh, <laughs> you didn't hit. Tons of fun. You can make a bet in 30 seconds. Withdrawals are super fast and safe and quick. So swing for the fences on sleeper picks. You can win up to 100 times your money. First time depositors are, can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 using promo code locked on. So play ball on sleeper. Use code locked on at sign up. Instant deposit match up to $100. Okay, so looking at the AL Central and some of these drafts, I was surprised when I sat down to look at everything and I was like, you know, I really liked what the White Sox did in this draft and not something I expect. I, I honestly expected to go in this thinking it's the Guardians. I'm going to like what the Guardians, and I do like what the Guardians did. Uh, I also like what the Twins did. But for the White Sox, what was surprising to me, and I think part of it was the expectations were low, right? But uh, so Jacob Gonzalez, from Old Miss at 15. He was considered going into the season to be like in that first tier of guys, right? Uh, something where he has a higher floor, maybe a lower ceiling than than some of those guys in the top in the top five picks. And I think that's why he fell to 15. But something where he's gonna give you some defensive value. He's gonna be able to hit for average. He's gonna have some power. He's not going to be a, a silver slugger, anything like that, but he's a pretty safe guy. Uh, you keep looking at, at some of these things. Grant Taylor, the second rounder out of LSU, the right-hander, had Tommy John. So missed most of the year, right? But he was a reliever his freshman year. Didn't look great. And then he went to the Cape Cod League and looked fantastic. So now this is obviously based on health, but like he dominated the Cape Cod League. And so provided that he comes back, 
the fastball curveball are a very good one-two combo. You're just trying to figure out what is that third pitch. Uh, some of the guys I've mentioned, some of these guys already, uh, Seth Keener in the, uh, in the third round out of Wake Forest, the right-handed pitcher. Uh, I've mentioned him the other day as some of the draft picks that I like. I liked him. He moved to the rotation during the season and just kept getting it done. Now, nothing here is plus. Everything is average to above average. Uh, there's some questions. I think Keith Law at The Athletic thinks he's a reliever, but I like that he can do a lot of different things. Question is, how much can you develop some of those pitches? Can you get something to be plus? Um, two righties, I'm sorry, two lefties back to back in the fifth and sixth, Chris and Opor and Lucas Gordon. I like both of these one, because we didn't have a ton of great lefties in this draft. It felt like Opor was a guy draft and follow last year by Oakland. He didn't sign with them. His velocity got up. He touched like 98 this year. So he felt like I can probably get more money in the draft. He was right. He was a fifth rounder, uh, slider changeup aren't great. He's dominated with that fastball, but in the fifth round, a guy that can throw 98 and has some some show some promise of some other pitches is a guy that you really think is a good deal for the fifth round. Lucas Gordon was a guy lefty sat 92 or so, which isn't necessarily great. Uh, Changeup, curveball. I think the changeup's above average to plus. The curveball has the potential to be at least average. Uh, it, it's it's something where for a sixth rounder, I can see backside of the rotation possibility. And then I mentioned George Wolko going in the seventh round. Uh, 6'7", 240, massive dude, massive power. One of the easy comparisons people make, uh, and this is something I actually picked up from Keith Law as well, is Joey Gallo. Uh, I don't necessarily, again, we don't do comps on here, but I thought he was a really interesting pick. And then Eddie Park out of Stanford at eight. Uh, light did, does, does not strike out very much, right? And so really good contact quality. Uh, probably going to be a corner because out there because his arm isn't great. But it's something where he has a high floor as a contact-oriented guy. Reminds me a lot uh, of a Stephen Kwan as far as can contribute. Isn't going to win you a World Series, but can absolutely contribute batting uh, higher up in the order, getting on base and letting folks drive him in, right? Draft that I didn't necessarily love, and it was surprisingly tough, but in the AL Central, I didn't really love what the Royals did right? They wanted a catcher. We talked about the Royals organizationally needed a catcher, right? They took Prepster Blake Mitchell with Kyle Teal on the board. So they went prep catcher over college catcher. And prep catcher is like the riskiest demographic. These guys have no experience for the most part calling games. They're incredibly raw. And so something where he has plus power, like the power ceiling's higher than Kyle Teal, but it's going to take so much longer to develop him and get him to the big league level. So it's kind of wild to me that you took on that kind of risk that early in the draft. Um, Blake Walters in the second, that was something like, yes, he th- he's a right-handed pitcher. Yes, he throws 97. The slider's not bad, but like he doesn't have a third pitch. And so you're taking, a in the second round, you're taking a two-pitch guy that he's not Spencer Strider, right? He's not uh, doing, generating all of this power out of the kinetic chain. It's very much a whippy arm action. And so you took a guy who's not necessarily, uh, doesn't have great mechanics and only has two pitches in the second round, felt like it's a little bit early to take somebody like that. Uh, Carson Roccaforte was their uh, compensatory pick. Uh, Played at the Sun Belt, struck out like, 20% 20% of the time in the Sun Belt. Uh, something where plus speed, but like didn't, didn't, wasn't super successful stealing bases either. So it's like, 
better speed at going first to third, things like that. Just I didn't necessarily think they made it. They did a great job of getting value out of where they picked on the board, considering the strengths of this draft. Now, maybe these guys develop differently and they proved me wrong. I don't know. But that was just kind of my observation, uh, kind of looking at that. I talked about Hunter Owen. I liked Hunter Owen as a player. I do acknowledge he's risky. He was shut down with a tired arm. That's why he was available in the fifth round, uh, the, the left-handed pitcher out of Vanderbilt. And something where if he's healthy, he looks good. But again, like he was shut down for a tired arm. There's a lot of lot of risk inherent in there with that. Uh, to combine that with he's already like 260 degrees, up to 200, <laughs> 260 pounds. So it's like, okay, uh, Conditioning-wise, you are, you are have to be on top of that. Uh, you know, how is he struggling to generate velocity and having a tired arm despite having the bulk and the size behind it? Uh, guy they took in the sixth round, Coleman Picard, same issue. Uh, missed missed time. I think it was a sore shoulder in his case, and so he averaged like four innings and change in his starts this year. And so, just another thing where it's like, okay, let's look at some of the the risk in these guys compared to the ceilings. Again, I like the ceiling of a Hunter Owen, but like I don't see Picard's ceiling being that great. I see Shinton having a lot of risk. I'm sorry, Mitchell having a lot of risk versus Kyle Teal. And then Walters, I just see a lot of risk because there's not a third pitch. It's a reliever in the second round is not a great outcome for you. So uh, in just a minute, we're going to look at the AL West. You can probably guess who I liked in this one. We'll do that next right here on Locked in MLB Prospects. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Bird Dogs. Listen, I am here at Disney World. It is going to be a million degrees tomorrow when we are in the park. You, by the time you watch this or listen to this, I will be in Disney World having the time of our lives. But it's going to be a million degrees. I am not worried about that because I have Bird Dogs. They are the most comfortable, the most slimming, uh, make-you-look-good shorts in the world. Okay, uh, They sent me a couple pairs. They were so great, I went out and bought a bunch more. Uh, what's What I love about these is one, they fit really well. They're designed to be a little bit clo- like a little bit more form-fitting in the leg and thigh. So once you show off the legs, you know, you make you feel good. You feel good. You look good. You look good. You play good. You play good. They pay good. We've had that conversation. That's the Deion Sanders thing. But also, they invented this cloud knit fabric, right? So they wick sweat really well. They keep you cool. They keep you dry, even when you are standing in lines at Disney World all day. I'm going to give a testimonial on Friday's show saying, listen, it worked out well. Okay, so go to birddogs.com slash locked on MLB, enter promo code locked on MLB for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. That's right. Bird dogs will make you look good and they'll protect your drink at the same time. Birddogs.com slash locked on MLB or use promo code locked on MLB for a free Yeti style tumbler. You will not want to take these shorts off. Okay, wrapping up real quick with the AL West. And again, if you've been watching these shows, the everydayers know this. I love what Seattle did early in this draft, right? They had the three first round picks. They went out and got three different prep talents that had high ceilings. At 22, Colt Emerson. At 29, Johnny Farmello. And at 30, uh, Ty Pete. Now, Pete is the, the least polished of the three and the most risky but Colt Emerson is a natural hitter, very good field to hit. Johnny Farmello was one of the faster guys in the class, probably a 70 speed and a really good athlete. The bat, uh, the bat speed is good. The hand-eye coordination is good. He needs some work on the mechanics of the swing. You can do that. I trust Seattle to develop pitchers. They have done that so well. 
Uh, in the third round, I like the upside of a guy like a Teddy McGraw. Uh, now, it's something he had, he had Tommy John a few years ago. He had to get an internal brace, so there's some risk there. When he was healthy, the fastball slider were fantastic. The slider reminds me a lot of the Matt Brash slider, and they weren't able to get Matt Brash to stick in the rotation, but Matt Brash has been a pretty good reliever for Seattle. So I like that being kind of the floor. I know it's a third round, but I like that being the floor, knowing that he still has an option to be a starter, and you just may have to deal with a little bit less uh, runway if there's another arm injury because he's already had both the, both the procedure and an internal brace done. Uh, going over some of these notes, Aiden Smith, the fourth rounder uh, out of high school, is going to have, I feel like, really good power and good speed. Has a chance to stick in center, could move to a corner as well, could absolutely make it work. Uh, ben Williamson in the second out of William & Mary was a money-saving thing. He was a senior, uh, but it's something where uh, it's a it's a college veteran, albeit a lower level of competition, but a, an experienced baseball player who at worst is going to be good organizational depth and a fourth guy. But either way, I it's not a terrible pick, right? Uh, you got plenty of value other places in there. Um, Ty Cummings in the seventh out of Campbell, tons of fun to watch. Uh, fastball slider, the slider's at least a plus pitch. I really enjoyed watching him. Um, some, some picks in here, the issue with this, yes, Ben Williamson ceiling isn't that great. Uh, Brody Hopkins in the six was a two-way player, but yet really wasn't good at pitching or at hitting. So it was kind of weird, but for the most part, these top three guys are so good and you have enough promise in there where you could see four or five big leaguers coming out of this class. And that's more than good enough, especially when you have three first round picks, uh, the Houston Astros weird draft, right? Uh, Dana Brown was there from Atlanta to Houston uh, as the new GM, and they got a top 100 talent in Bryce Matthews, the uh, the the shortstop from Nebraska. But I think they probably could have taken him a little bit later. They took him at what 28, and I think I think they could have gotten him maybe with their second pick. Uh, something where fantastic athlete, he played uh, quarterback in in high school and was a recruit was a college recruit at quarterback, did not play quarterback in college. Thank you for the person on YouTube that corrected me the other day after I mentioned that in the live show. Uh, pull like, plenty, tons of power to the pull side, but because of that, you can also get him on fastballs up, fastballs in, and that's a thing that obviously is in vogue a lot, things like that. So he's going to have to work on the swing to make it work. I just felt like it was taken kind of early. And then after that, Alonzo Treadwell from UCLA, uh, jack of all trades, master of none, doesn't really have anything to get lefties out, and he had kind of, he was shut down with some sort of vague like rib injury earlier in the year. It's a little bit risky there. Uh, you took Jake Bloss out of Georgetown in the third, and I think he's probably the better of the two pitchers over Treadwell. Uh, I I like the pitch mix, but even there, it was something where he had a pretty significant velocity jump this year, and so there's a question about. Uh, how well he can sequence all those breaking balls because he got a little fastball happy at times. Cam Fisher, the fourth rounder from UNC Charlotte, had good power, but like struck out more than 20% of the time in uh, mid-major level, uh, in a mid-major conference. And then just a couple other, Ethan Pecco in the sixth round, very much a sinker slider kind of guy. And we've talked about this before, this, the ceiling's not that high on a sinker slider guy. And I feel like Houston's done a really good job of developing pitching, 
and he doesn't really fit the traits that they've looked for in some of their previous short, uh, uh, pitchers. And so I don't see the ceiling here on a guy like an Ethan Pecco to get him into a major league rotation. Um, you know, it's, it's again, sinker slider. He needs to probably add some sort of third pitch that moves in a different direction. And so all in all, kind of an odd draft for, uh, uh, for Houston simply because everybody was expecting, I think everybody was expecting more one because you had Dana Brown there, but then two, it just feels like a lot of these guys were overdrafted based on where they could have been drafted. Uh, you probably could have gotten uh, a Matthews around later. You probably could have, could have gotten Treadwell in the third. Uh, Bloss, I think, was fine for the third round, but a lot of these guys just feel like they were taken a little too early. They're flaws, unless there's something that Brown knows, which we don't, which is perfectly plausible. It just feels like some of these guys were a little too flawed to go as soon as they did. Uh, fantastic week this week. One more show coming up. On, uh, tomorrow we are talking about the National League. We're going to do the same thing, these three divisions. Who's the winner? Who's the loser from each? In the meantime, if you have questions for Monday's show, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Shows on Twitter at Locked On Farm. You can email us. You can drop them in our Discord, drop them in subtext. A lot of different ways to get a hold of us. Until next time, remember, it's always a great time to pay a minor league.